Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Cyclone Tailgate Show on News Talk 1430 KASI. Join us as we preview Iowa State's football matchup and visit with our special guests. The Cyclone Tailgate Show is brought to you by the Iowa State Alumni Association, Friedrich Iowa Realty, Ag Leader Technology, Freedom Tire and Automotive, Country Landscapes, and Northwest Bank. Now, here's your host, Mel Crippen. Good afternoon. I am not Mel Crippen as we welcome you to the ISU Alumni Association and today's edition of the Cyclone Tailgate Show. I'm Dave Sproul, in case you aren't uh, familiar. Mel is on vacation, so it's my pleasure to fill in, and I'm joined capably as always by judge johnston judge good glad afternoon. everyone yeah, yeah. bright but, sunny day uh, great day for a cyclone victory we got uh, great weather on tap for tonight's ball game between iowa state and kansas state kicking off uh, is coming your way at 6 30 between now and 4 30 before we turn it over to the cyclone network we're going to visit with our host jeff johnson from the isu alumni association he's the president of course uh, we have uh, jonathan gelber an author who's recently uh, released a new book about Jack Trice, it's called The Idealist, Jack Trice and the Fight for a Forgotten College Football Legacy. should be really interesting. Today is the 99th anniversary of Jack Trice's death, uh, so that's a kind of a timely uh, uh, interview there. And uh, Bill Seals, uh, the publisher of Cyclone Report, is going to drop by later in the show as well. We're going to kick things off with the voice of the Cyclones, John Walters. John, thanks for st- swinging by. We appreciate it. Absolutely. It's a beautiful day to swing by. <laughs> Absolutely. And by the way, thanks for uh, driving to uh, Lawrence last week. I know the oh, you know the trip home wasn't uh, what you wanted it to be. but I took a little nap somewhere around the <laughs> Monai, but uh, somehow stayed on the road, and it's all, all good. Yeah, I-35 is straight enough. We don't have to worry yeah, about that. Yeah, but, I was fine. Yeah, it, it was a rough one for the offense, clearly, for Iowa State last week. It's as you look back at that, you know, a week later, what some of the biggest issues uh, for Iowa State as that game unfolded? You know, they got into Kansas territory seven times, but um, drive stalled out. Uh, I think the five sacks were drive killers a lot of times. Um, and then, obviously, they missed the kicks. But, you know, they got to be more efficient in the red zone. But I think one thing that, you know, kind of struck me thinking about that after the game is that we had three of the all-time best red zone players that Iowa State football's ever had. And Brock Purdy and Charlie Kohler and Brees Hall. I mean, those guys, you just knew Iowa State was going to get a touchdown with yeah. those three guys. And all three are gone, you know. And so now you're trying to figure out, well, who's our red zone guy? And it's it's becoming Xavier Hutchinson, I think. But, you know, it's still an adjustment. And then we saw Easton Dean catch a touchdown, which was awesome. Uh, maybe he'll develop into a red zone guy. Sean Shaw, I think, has that potential. Um, but... You're still figuring that out and sorting it out, and then Iowa State had a hard time without Jirel Brock in the lineup, too. I think that really hurt the run game and the pass game. And so, you know, you combine those things, and the offense just uh, produced 11 points. And if you would have told me, Dave, when it was 14 to nothing, Kansas, hey, they're done scoring for the day, I'd have said, well, there's no way Iowa State doesn't win this game. But Iowa State could only muster 11 points off those seven uh, possessions they got into Kansas territory. Yeah, and so we'll see how they, they respond today, if they do anything differently in offense. or you know, I guess it's something that also is dictated largely by the defense that Kansas State's going to bring to town because we've heard Matt Campbell say a million times, players' formations and plays, and talking about what 
taking what the defense gives you, and that, that might be maybe the biggest adjustment for a guy like Hunter Deckers uh, because he's still pretty inexperienced there at, at the quarterback position. He is, and you know Kansas State is going to try to take away the run and force Hunter Deckers to beat him. And you know, He's a young quarterback. That's a smart strategy for any defense. Not that I don't have confidence that Hunter Deckers can do that, because I do. I think Hunter's having a really good year. He's tied for the Big 12 lead in touchdown passes. He's, he's doing a lot of great things. But it's a lot on one guy's shoulders. And so I think they have to kind of get the run game going. But if they have to use the pass to set up the run, so be it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whatever it takes to move the football early in the game, get a little positive vibe going. You know, we got spoiled last year. Brees Hall took it 75 yards on the first play of the game. That was a a great way to start a game in Manhattan. Um, And Iowa State never trailed. Um, and, And I like this year's team's ability to play with a lead a lot better than its ability to maybe come from behind. So, you know, it'd be great to see Iowa State strike first this game, get a lead, and then, you know, run it as necessary. But if if Jirel's good to go, I think Iowa State can have some success running the football today. Yeah, I think also, you know, this is a test of our senior leadership and our coaching staff coming off of a really dud of a performance of game. You know, I, th- I think they, they, they get back off those buses Saturday night, and, uh, you know, they get to work first thing Sunday. And I hope they have a sour taste in their mouth coming out of that performance down there. And they just get back to work, and, you know, they've got something to prove today. And they come out smoking, you know, right away. I think the crowd's going to be electric. they got the black uniforms on, and we do well in night games. And so, um, you know, statistically, I think we're in good shape, too, with our offense and defense and their defense and how the rankings are playing out. So it's trending towards a good, a good performance t- uh, tonight for the Cyclones, and I hope we see that. I agree with you, Judge. I, I think the backs-to-the-wall mentality these guys. It tests the closeness of your football team, and I think this is a very close football team. And Matt Campbell's talked about that a lot, about how much he likes this locker room and how much these guys are there for each other. And so I think that part of it will be really solid. Uh, I expect Iowa State to come out with a really spirited effort today. Um, I, I agree. You know, night games, Iowa State has been good. The last time they lost one here in conference play, the night game was uh, Jacob Park losing to Texas. It, it's been a while. The, the bugle. Um, uh, uh, helmets, yeah. That was a, and that was a Thursday night, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all kinds of weird stuff going on yeah. there. But, um, but, no, it is a great environment for college football, Jack Trice Stadium at night. Um, I, I, I think it's going to come down to execution, you know. And I, I really look at the offensive and defensive lines in this game. Can Iowa State establish something on the line of scrimmage? Can they protect Hunter Deckers? Even if you have to do something different. I mean, I don't care if you've got to put Jared Russ back there as your running back. If that's your best protector of the quarterback, whatever the case may be, you've got to protect Hunter Deckers and give him some time because when he has time, he can really do some great, great things. And then... You know, can they get a little push with their with their uh, offensive line of, as they're trying to run block? I, I, you know, I think we haven't yet seen Eli Sanders do what he's capable of. I know Coach Campbell knows that he's he can do some big things, and he's yet to bust one yet. But he feels like it's it's this close, and I think he was pretty happy with the way Deion Silas played last week. But certainly, getting Jirel Brock would help a lot. Uh, getting Cartavius Norton, I think, would help a lot, uh, and we'll see where all that goes. But I, I think execution offensively and then defensively, what more could you ask a week ago? I think they held Kansas to 28 yards in the second half, um, and, and they got the short field for their second touchdown after the interception. Mm-hmm. So the defense was terrific, and if the defense is that good again tonight, I think it, Iowa State has a great, great chance. He's- 
jump back to a comment you made earlier about being spoiled a little bit by those guys in the red zone, one of them being Brock Purdy. He was the last, you know, young quarterback to kind of take over that position for Iowa State. And when he came in, he was so good right away that it's easy to forget that Hunter is going to have a, maybe a bit of a steeper learning yeah. curve because that just doesn't happen very often what Purdy did was able to do it from the outset. I couldn't agree more. And, and you know, and Hunter's been good. I, I think we're... We're spoiled to the point where you look at the way Hunter's been playing and you think, oh, I'm not sure, but yeah. he's completing 69% of our, uh, his passes. The school record was 71 last year by Brock. Um, 11 touchdown passes tied for the league lead coming into the day. Um, you know, he, he's done a lot of really good things. He's just made a few mistakes that are probably not untypical. Judge, it reminds me a little bit of Spencer Sanders when he was a young player at Oklahoma State, and he was... You could see the talent. It was, he was oozing with talent, but he made some mistakes. He threw some interceptions, and, you know, as Mike Gundy stuck with him and he got that experience, now he's just terrific, and he's one of the best quarterbacks, I think, in the country. Yeah. And so um, I think Hunter can progress that same way and do those same things, but it is probably unrealistic to think it's just going to happen right away out of the shoot. He's got to learn, and nothing beats experience in whatever you're doing in life, and, and that includes playing the quarterback position in the Big 12. Yeah, great athletes on defense, and it just it's just takes games, you know. Yeah. And yeah, the Brock pretty set the bar really high, and here we are, you know, four games into or five, you know, with with Hunter, and um, just taking it game by game, and his percentages completions is great, and uh, you know, a little bit of happy feet, but that's uh, part of the offensive line. They need to see. I need to see improvement from them tonight too. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think the offensive line did not play particularly well, in my opinion, against Kansas, and. Um, that's an area where you've got some veteran guys, and you, you got to get some push. You know, yeah. I, I, I think you know the run game. You can put it all on the running backs, and uh, I, I think it's a combination of things, obviously. And, and I think Hunter, we saw him run a couple times last week and run the ball pretty effectively when he did decide to take off and go. I'd like to see a little bit more of that out of him too, because I think that threat. If it's a legitimate zone read threat, you look at Kansas State with Adrian Martinez and Deuce Vaughn, man, their zone read, it's like, boy, pick your poison, you know, <laughs> and, and if you overplay one or get in the wrong gap, you are in deep, deep trouble. And, um, you know, I think Hunter can do some of those same things in the run game. Now, I know they don't want him necessarily to run it 18 times a game like what maybe Adrian Martinez is doing, but, um, you know, five or six times a game, uh, I think could really add something to this offense. Speaking of Adrian Martinez, uh, it was interesting to hear John Haycock this week talking with the, the media about the contrast between the style of play for Martinez and the style of offense that Kansas State runs around him compared to Jalen Daniels and what uh, you know Iowa State saw last year with Kansas because it's that's more RPO, what the Jayhawks did, and this is a little more of that power zone read style. Yeah, and, and with two guys that are as big of weapons as you could put into that style of play, and the mastermind behind it is Colin Klein, and his fingerprints are all over this offense because when you think back to when he played, and he was a Heisman finalist, it was run first. You know, they ran it probably 70% of the time, Kansas State did. And then just when you thought, okay, they're going to run it again, here it goes right over the top to a, a tight end or, you know, a receiver streaking down the field. So they could beat you with those big plays. And, you know, that's what's. Uh, I think we tend to think of Kansas State football, and we always think of the, the Bill Snyder sleeper hold and the 15-play 
entire quarter consuming drive <laughs> yeah. that we've seen those yeah. but with this team judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the chumba life is for everybody so go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. It's more like, hey, they hit the explosive plays. They had, uh, against Texas Tech, they had... I think it was four runs of 50 yards or longer, and one of them got called back. But, I mean, they Deuce Vaughn had a couple. Martinez had a couple. They combined for 340 rushing yards, those two guys. and then But they started the game like gangbusters offensively, and then in the middle they did nothing offensively for about two and a half quarters. They really did nothing. And Martinez was forced to throw, and he was struggling. And, and then in the fourth quarter they hit a couple of those big run plays again, and they ended up pulling away. But um, they are not – in my mind, the grinded-out, sleeper-hold offense that we've seen in the past, but they are very capable of hitting big plays if you get in the wrong gap, and I think that's where teams get in trouble. We were talking off the air, Deuce Vaughn, it seems like he's been there forever, and he's only a junior, like you mentioned, John, so great player. Little guy that makes a lot of big plays for them. Oh, and you got to find him. You know, I mean, he <laughs> hides behind those big offensive linemen, and it's, it, you know, the first thing is vision. Just where is he? And and then, as we've seen Deion Silas do some, you know, to, to a lesser degree than what Deuce Vaughn does, but that ability to just shift so quickly this, the direction he's going and make you miss, and, and Deuce Vaughn has all those moves, and he's a pretty good receiver. They haven't used him as much in that mode coming out of the backfield as they did in past years, and I, but that's a big threat uh, in, in their game for sure. And, uh, you know, you combine that with Adrian Martinez, who's such a good runner and such a physical and fast runner, and it's like, man, that is a tough zone read to defend. I mean, I think John Haycock's really good at defending the zone read, and I think Iowa State's got a lot of very sure-tackling guys, and I think their safeties and corners tackle as well as any team in college football at those positions, and I think that's why they can run the scheme they do and run it so well. But it's like that's going to really get put to the test here today. And, you know, if Sure, they're going to hit some 15, 20-yard runs, but if you can keep those from being 70-yard runs, 60-yard runs, uh, then I think you have a great, great chance. Uh, you know, make make them prove it over the course of a 10-play drive that they can move the football. Because I think over the course of a long drive, there's a much better chance that they stub their toe. But if they hit those big plays and it's like a two-play 80-yarder, which is what they've been doing, you're in trouble. Yeah. You know, I one stat I, I noticed this week is K-State's not very good on third down. You know, they're they're hitting 31% on third down. And so that's we got to get them into third and long, third down situations, yeah. and that will help our, our chances also. Yeah, force, um, force Adrian Martinez to beat you with his arm. You mm-hmm. know, and I, I think you can't take for granted that if it is third and seven that they're going to throw the ball because there will be times where they'll, they'll come right back and run it. And Martinez is good at dropping back and, you know, quarterback draws and, and some of those things as well. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. that that If you can get them behind the chains, um, you have a terrific chance. And, 
You know, one thing we've seen with John Haycock's defenses is it takes a little while in the game for him to kind of sort out, okay, this is what they're trying to do. Now I'm going to go take that away. Once he figures it out, good night. You know, so again, if Iowa State can get off to a good start while he's making those adjustments and Iowa State can play with a lead the whole night, that to me is the perfect formula for getting this win. All right, we've avoided this topic long enough, but we got to talk about special teams. And one of the, one of the quotes that uh, stood out from Matt Campbell this week to me is, and it's the second time this, this season he's mentioned it, um, he's really confident in the, the game plan, the scheme. He, he talked about that a little bit, just the execution needs to be better, and I think that's obvious. I mean, when you look at the missed field goals, there's a high snap that Blake Clark was able to turn into an actual uh, scoring play. But, you know, when it comes right down to it, you're talking about, a kicker who's a freshman, a punter who's a freshman. You know, you got a veteran holder there. But, uh, again, kind of like with, with the offensive guys, there's a, an adjustment period for them. They're still kind of getting used to, to playing at this level too. Yeah, no question. And, you know, special teams are such a unique dynamic because I don't know if you can put two field goal attempts hitting the upright on the special teams coach. I, yeah. You know, I, I, it just <laughs> seems strange to me to, to think that. But, one thing I loved this week was that video of Brock Birdie, uh, you know, the, the note that he sent to Jace Gilbert, uh, and Jace was reading it to kids at Gilbert High School in an FCA meeting, and just from the heart, Brock telling them, hey, hang in there, you'll be fine. I mean, just that's the kind of culture that Matt's established in this program. It was just, it made, I got chills when I saw that. It was just a really cool thing. Uh, but to your point, Dave, uh, I think what I think of when I think of special teams more than anything is the coverage units. You know, our... Are, and the return units, you know, are, are you getting good coverage? On, and, and Iowa State hasn't always been perfect there. They have some, some room for improvement there. They've been good at times. And obviously, uh, Jalen Knoll did muff the punt. Um, he's been great uh, all year, and, and even into last year, he's been great returning punts. And, you know, he did make a mistake there. But you do have to get some of that stuff cleaned up, especially against this team, because... If you make special teams mistakes against this team, all of a sudden you're looking at number four, Malik Knowles, the back of his uniform on a 100-yard mm-hmm. kickoff return, and we've seen it way too often with these guys. They've had more punt and kick returns than anybody in the country over the last 20 years, and it's not even close. They're like yeah. 20 ahead of everybody. And so um, Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, both extremely dangerous return men. Um, and, and I think Tyler Perkins has done a great job punting. I mean, it, I, I think he's done a terrific job. Um yeah, I, I agree. This is a game where if you could at least be even in special teams, I think you have a great chance because I think Kansas State, part of their formula is to depend on an advantage in special teams. And if you can negate that advantage today, then I think you have a great chance. All right. Well, John, we appreciate your time so much. We look forward to you and Eric and Ryan on the call of the game coming up tonight. Can't wait. It's going to be a fun one. Thanks, guys. John Walters, the voice of the Cyclones, joining us here on the Cyclone Tailgate Show. We are live from the ISU Alumni Center. Today's program is brought to you by Ag Leader Technology. Addressing the wants and needs of farmers is priority one. Learn more at agleader.com. More to come live from the ISU Alumni Center. This is the Cyclone Tailgate Show on News Talk 1430 KASI. Welcome back to the Cyclone Tailgate Show on News Talk 1430 KASI. Dave Sproul with you, filling in for Mel Crippen along with Judge Johnston. Then we'll pick up the thread we were talking about there, Judge, with the uh, the special teams for Iowa State. And I, I understand it's uh, probably a particular frustration for, for Iowa State fans because it seems like in Campbell's tenure that we really haven't seen a consistently good all-around game. We've seen some good things. I mean, yeah. we've seen some field goal kickers who 
have had some good seasons. Uh, Connors Alley last year was was very solid, uh, and uh, but it seems like there's always one thing that maybe or or couple things that will crop up in a particular game uh, in that special teams that can be really costly. Well, we've got all of the mistakes uh, you could just rattle off, you know, in these five first five games. You know, we hopefully we've got them all out of our system. And, you know, I, I know there's young players on those teams. There's a lot of moving parts on all the special teams units. It's, it's youth. It's experience. It's wind. It's good snaps and holds and, you know, field goals hitting the crossbar. It's a game of inches when you, you look back last week. I mean, you know, three inches inside, and, you know, we yeah. win that game or, or tie it at least, you know, with one of the two, you know. And so um, – and there's a psyche involved, you know, too, to punting and kicking. And, you know, you've got to be mentally tough to, to do your part. Um, but like I said, a uh, lot of moving parts. Um, you know, it is frustrating. We've seen this. It's a little bit of an Achilles heel for Iowa State this year and in, in years past. And so, you know, you get back to the drawing board Sunday and you, you go hard and you – tighten things up and you maybe shift some players around that are missing blocks or missing tackles on those coverage units and you know put good people in there and that's the challenge of do you put your starters out there on all those special teams plays during a game you know in a a rugged big 12 schedule we face and you know that's a challenge with this coaching staff you know are we putting our best players out there when we really need them on offense and defense and so you know that's i'm sure those are decisions that they've thought about this week on some maybe some personnel yeah 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 we'll see it it was interesting you know that i go back to that comment that i referenced from matt campbell earlier this week when he said you know he feels good about how uh, the special teams set up is schematically which means if you want to take an interpretation of that it's not the coach's fault it's player's fault (laughs) and i don't think he means it like that but in a sense it's also true because you know as i said the, the kicker's got to do his job, and the, yeah. the returner's got to do his job. And the reason that job isn't getting done right now is not because of the scheme or uh, mm-hmm. the way they draw up those plays because it's pretty straightforward. You miss a field goal, and the kicker missed a field goal. Yeah. And you drop a punt, it means the returner dropped a punt. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, Matt Campbell, that comment is he, he's not publicly blaming our, the players. Right. And there were mistakes made. And so he's got a, you know, it's a fine line uh, as a coach, you know, when he's making public comments about yeah. his team. And so... Um, you know, he's doing the best he can with uh, protecting his guys, but there's a little bit of a hidden message there. Like, guys, we got to step it up and shore this thing up um, because we got important games left, and uh, they're few and far between, you know, with the remaining schedule we've got. And so, um, like we said, each week is just a meat grinder here of trying to find another win on these schedules, you know. And if you maybe if you press Matt a little bit, I would I'm sure he would tell you that you know part of that execution coaching is involved in that too because you know they work with these guys every day, yep. make sure they got the right technique and the right focus and things like that. And focus will be interesting to see if they if they run Jace Gilbert out there again. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. I mean, those no. three misses last week were his first misses of the season. Yeah, and. Uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, you want to show confidence in the guy, give him a chance to go out there and kick another one. Yeah, you know, there, I mean, two of those hitting the crossbar, That that's, uh, like I said, the game of inches. You, you send him back out there. He's young. He's a freshman. And you, you got to live with it, you know. And um, it's like, you know, uh, Hunter Decker's still a young guy, mm-hmm. you know, six games in. Um, you just got to keep running them out there, coaching them up and believing in them. And, uh, you know, uh, each game they get that experience just gets a little bit better for him, more confidence, and, uh, you know, things will hopefully trend better. On- I want to go back to, uh, you know, just prior to that last field goal attempt by Iowa State last week at Kansas, it was fourth and less than a yard, and I'm sure there were plenty of fans who wanted Iowa State to go for it there. Now, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who 
my default position is go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, even in that situation where the kick ties it and it's a makeable distance, but there was still a lot of and, you know enough time on the clock. I think Iowa State still had a couple timeouts in his pocket and um, you know could have uh, tried to run a play there. But I can also see the other side. The running game isn't wasn't doing much, yep. and uh, you know that also meant that. The defense was focused in on Hunter Deckers. And- Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And Kansas did a good job taking away the yeah. pass because they were able to neutralize the run. And you think about Coach Campbell making that decision at that point. We weren't running the ball well. Brock was out. Our offensive line maybe wasn't getting that push. And, you know, we just had two clang off the crossbar. So let's send him out again. And, uh, you know, I can see the, you know, Jace, I can see him. Okay, I got to get out away from that right upright you know and, and i think he just pulled it you know yeah, we saw yeah. that and it looked like that with his technique and obviously uh the the path of that uh, kick there so um he overcorrected and uh tough way to lose down there you know and um here we are we're back yeah. and uh, it's another <laughs> game and it's another opportunity and we got to take advantage for reference uh iowa state is converting on i think it's two-thirds of their fourth down attempts so far this season mm-hmm. now a lot of those i'm sure came against ohio and Simo and there were a couple against Iowa, which yep. obviously a tough defense in, in, in its own right. So I don't think Iowa State's for lack, should lack for confidence in those situations overall. But what I'd kind of like to see is maybe some kind of pattern or you know better explanation in a sense that you know when Campbell was asked about it after the game, he said, well, we just we kind of go by feel there. And that's a very vague <laughs> sort of statement, obviously. It's like, well, yeah, I, I get that. But, I mean, when you're – Inside the 30, does it change it? If you're inside the 20, if you're on one half of the field or the other, I don't know. I, I Maybe I uh, like life to be a little too orderly. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I'd like to see some kind of clear sort of, yep. you know, situation or, or you know. Parameters. There. Parameters. That's yeah. great. Great yeah. work for it. When you go for it, when you don't. Yeah. But, you know, Coach Campbell, he's a big uh, flow of the game kind of yeah. guy. You know, he, he talks about that a lot. And, you know, just uh, we didn't have good flow last week, you know, in a lot of that game. And, you know, when you don't have the flow, you, you just, as a coach, you kind of start struggling on those, you know, tough decisions you got to make. And, um, you know, I think we, were, we put ourselves in that, that spot last week, you know, against Kansas. And so and Cam- Campbell ref- referenced that actually uh, going back to that Baylor game, too, it's it's a really hard situation, I'm sure, for offense to be in when you're not running the ball well, which means you can't control the ball and move the ball downfield and try to get a score. So then, then you're playing from behind, and now you're throwing the ball around. Their defense knows that. And if you're not moving the ball consistently, then, then the game flow is obviously not going in your right. in your direction. A lot of coaches refer to that as momentum, yeah. which is a word I hate. But <laughs> maybe game flow is a better word for it. I don't know. Uh, but for, for Iowa State, as John mentioned, yeah, it's going to be important to get out there and, and at least have some success early, get that confidence yeah. up, if not score first against the, the Wildcats. Yep, and I'm sure that's been a part of the practice plan every day this week is, you know, we want to control the tempo. We want our flow to prevail tonight, you know, and not Kansas State's flow. And so, you know, I 
I feel good about our chances tonight. We got a great defense. We're number one in the league, you know, and um, you know, we're built to stop the run, and uh, that's what Kansas State does really well is run the ball. And I think if we can get them behind the chains and throwing the ball down the field tonight, uh, our chances increase. And then, you know, I, I feel like we're maybe due for a little breakthrough on offense. You know, we've kind of got all the yucky stuff out the last two <laughs> weeks, and we're ready to, to inch forward on that. But Kansas State is so darn good on special teams, and then they're one of the fewest penalized teams in the league. And that's been a trademark, even through Bill Snyder and now Kleinman. You know, there they are so disciplined, and you know, I. I heard a quote here from Adrian Martinez, their quarterback, who transferred from Nebraska. He, he said it in the, in the off season that when I showed up here coming from the Nebraska model, um, everything we do here has a purpose at K-State. We are so focused on discipline, protecting the ball, not committing penalties. Uh, our practice habits, are, are the expectations are extremely high there and how we carry ourselves. So that just reeks of discipline that you know they've got in this Kansas State you know, football program, and um, that's how they play. Um, they do a great job of taking care of the ball and not not making mistakes. Yeah, and Kleiman, uh, the Kansas State coach, he's kind of like Matt Campbell, kind of like uh, Lance Leipold at, at Kansas. He not only talks about culture a lot, but it seems like the the players buy into that whole idea. Yeah, Kansas State does not have a ton of four and five star players on their roster. You know, much like Kansas, much like Iowa State. You know, and so they've got to do it a little bit differently. It's hard to get these four and five star kids to come to Manhattan, Kansas. Much like it is to <laughs> even Ames, Iowa, to some degree. We're gaining in that on that front, but uh, you know, they got to do it a little bit differently. We've got plenty more to come here. We're just getting started on the Cyclone Tailgate Show. As uh, Coming up in a bit, we're going to talk with Jonathan Gelber, who just uh, recently released a, a new biography of Jack Trice, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. Bill Seals from Cyclone Report going to give us a, a recruiting update and his take on the matchup with uh, Kansas State. And Coming up after the news break, ISU Alumni Association President Jeff Johnson will join us from the ISU Alumni Center. This is the Cyclone Tailgate Show on News Talk 1430 KASI. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the ISU Alumni Center as we uh, present to you today's edition of the Cyclone Tailgate Show. I'm Dave Sproul filling in for Mel Crippen. He's taking a little vacation, so it's uh, my pleasure to, to fill the seat. Judge Johnston, as usual, alongside. And we're joined now by the president of the ISU Alumni Association, Mr. Jeff Johnson. Or uh, should I say Dr. Jeff no, Johnson? you shouldn't. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Well, you know, you, you bring the knowledge uh, every week. I'm always very impressed. Well, it's always good to be here, and the band's coming in getting ready for their meal, getting fueled up for this exciting game today. So yeah. looking forward to speaking with you. Yeah, well, you're always busy on game day, and I think you're busy pretty much every other day, aren't you? You know, it's part <laughs> of the job, and this week was crazy. I had mentioned I was going to talk with Mel. You know, what we love are those uh, unexpected drop-ins. You know, this week uh, the university uh, is involved with the Iowa State University Foundation for Order of the Knoll, mm-hmm. and it brings back some of Iowa State's top donors uh, to the campus for their governor's meetings, as well as an evening of fun. And so this week, just individuals stopping in, and that always happens during homecoming week as well. But again, the building is open 8 to 5 through the week, and so we just encourage people, you know, we don't need an appointment, they don't need to tell us they're coming, and they're just great surprise visits, always fun. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's so many cool things to hear. I'm sure people are in and out of here all the time just to check out the memorabilia you have on display here. Yeah, it's always great. And what's great, too, is this week I want to mention one interesting visitor. Uh, Ben Waxman dropped in, and Ben was on the football team back in the 60s but had not been back to Iowa State for 54 years. Wow. Wow. And um, one of the things that's interesting about his story we had a chance to learn is that he was the first African-American student at Iowa State to actually join a fully white fraternity on campus. And um, and so we'll have an opportunity to share more about that in a future story that we're going to do on him. But he went on, played four years here, uh, had an opportunity to go to law school, went on to law school, had his own practice, but had a tremendous career but had not been back to this campus in 54 years, not for any reason other than the fact that life takes over. Right. And so that opens the door for me to say, you know, to any of our graduates who've not been back or for those of you who come back and know of graduates who have not been back, uh, Ben has been played upon by his fraternity brothers to make that visit back to campus. took 54 years (laughs) for it to finally step in. But when he came back, one of the great stories that he shared during our visit was, you know, the place has changed, but so much of it is still the same. And the flood of memories that he could express and talk about were just incredible. Had a great experience here. Uh, Came here from New York, you know, to think about that transition from the East Coast uh, coming here. But, again, just goes to show how special this place is. And we all have cycles in life where life takes over, and then you get that chance in your life to come back and touch your roots and really find out who you are, why you became who you are, and give Iowa State credit for some of that uh, transition. So kudos to Ben. Great visit. Thanks for coming home. And then to all of our alums and friends of the university, thanks for always thinking about the university. But then – finding that opportunity to act on it well that's, that's, yeah. that's a neat story yep. and that's inspiring and i hope that we have other listeners out there that uh maybe out there on iheart media listening from afar and uh, this guy he's like a pro here. They'll, <laughs> they'll find a way you know anytime they get close to ames iowa they'll spend an extra half a day and stop by and the, the alumni center is so welcoming jeff and as we've done our shows here this year it, it is you walk in the door and you feel welcome and it's bright and modern and colorful but it's got a lot of tradition in here with all the stuff you have to show off about this great university and i keep reminding everyone none of this stuff was purchased every piece of memorabilia in here was donated and so we really thank the committee we thank the alumni we thank those families who decided this would be a great place we're in a great partnership with the university archives so things that we can't use here we make sure they make it somewhere onto the campus so that others can enjoy and reminisce and learn. So it's not just about pleasure. It's about reminding people of our history and then of what we've been able to build on. And uh, you guys get out and about a little bit, too. I see you had a little young alumni uh, gathering recently. You know, I have shared with you all a few times, and I think it's interesting for our listeners to understand whether you're a country club or a church or even a community, uh, transitions happen. But for the first time in our history, 
as any kind of organization, we're living with five generations of graduates and five generations of people. And what I mean by that is, you know, we know that most of us thought we'd be around till we were 65, 70, 70 years old. We run into more 80-year-olds now, but they're also centenarians. And so to think that we've got five living generations of our graduates from five different generations means that we've got to be fully on board. But we are- With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. also need to be thinking about how we fill the pipeline for the future. And that's not just in terms of donors, but that's thinking about who will be the future leaders that will step up and help champion this university to be as advocates who will give it time and talent and so it's very very important for us to remind ourselves some of our largest graduating classes have happened in the last 15 to 20 years and it's a very different time for those graduates who come out as we all know some with a little bit of debt so it takes a while to pay down that debt and then find a way to get engaged in the university Many see alumni, right, wrong, or indifferent, as old. Mm. And we want to remind everyone that the minute you take a degree from here, you become part of the lasting family of what we call permanent residents of the university. So it's not based on age. It's based on the fact that you participated in the life of the institution. And we want to see that transition as you become alumni of the university and not see alumni simply as giving. See alumni as being truly the example of what's possible, that you stuck with it, you achieved your degree, and now you're an ambassador of this institution. And so our Young Alumni Program, which is Activate Iowa State, we've been doing some happy hours, really making sure that they understand who we are, that we are approachable, that there are ways to get involved, to stay connected, and to be engaged, and not to be fearful of that. Uh, So the bottom line here, if you're listening Find a way to stay connected to the things about Iowa State that you care about, but also remember that the university and the Alumni Association has a responsibility for lifelong service. If there's something we can do for you, whether it's in the career field, an opportunity to help your business, to help you with things in your community, help you with your family, the opportunity for connections in your new communities, There are just so many ways that we want to serve you, but you need to sometimes let us know what that looks like. And so these Young Alumni Happy Hours are ways that we just begin to connect with people on a a very, very personal level. Another way to to do that, too, is to get involved. I mean, the young people might not always think about retirement. Some others do. uh, But you got a way to help uh, people of all ages, I would imagine, with your... uh, your retirement symposium coming up yeah you know we have this fun thing it's called rock on in retirement and it's coming up on the 10th anniversary of that and i think a lot about my parents uh, my both my mom and dad worked to they were in their 80s and um and so what we're really having people begin to think about is how do you retire and retire gracefully how do you retire and retire with knowledge about what retirement can be and what it should look like So, again, on Wednesday, November 9th, uh, here at the Alumni Center at 8 o'clock, 
it'll be also available via Zoom. So wherever you are in the country or the world, you can tune in. It's a free event event that's being coordinated by ISU Retirees Association. Uh, the presentation topics will really make a difference for people. Just go to our website, which is isualum.org backslash retirees events you'll find information on rock on in retirement and so if you're considering retirement and have not gotten all those questions answered and want to look at how that can be the next chapter in your life rock on in retirement is a great opportunity for our older alumni or those like myself who are 55 years of age and older there you go all right and no the- announcement there i'm not saying, <laughs> i'm not saying i'm, I'm retiring <laughs> gotcha. Uh, now we uh, got to start marking our calendars here too, because the date for the Cardinal and Gold Gala is set for February tenth. That's it, and that's in downtown Des Moines at the Community Charge Credit Union. Again, as many know, this program started out about twelve years ago with a focus on helping the university focus on first generation students and really their transition into the university. I myself baby of 10 children and first in my family to go to college um that can be a scary scary step while it can be a scary step for any student coming into a large university we have chosen to really focus in on first generation students we have fully endowed the six scholarships one to each one of the university colleges for a student from the state of iowa and so we're going to round refocus on some information that we learned in our survey. And that was is that graduates wanted to come out of the university and not have the first thing from the university or the alumni association be join the alumni association. So our alums have agreed to step up and to fund those first year of membership in the alumni association for our new graduates. And so that will become the focus uh, of the gala going forward. What I want to remind everyone is we have an early registration, which we call a flash sale. Uh, Tables are tables of 10, which sell for $1,000. And if you are a young graduate, and that means anyone who is uh, 32 years of age or younger, those tables sell for $650. And so it's an opportunity to get together with 10 of your friends, buy in at $65 each as opposed to $100 each, this is always a large event, sells out, fills up, great time. But, again, that date that uh, the gala is set for in Des Moines, again, at the Community Charge Credit Union Convention Center, which is in downtown Des Moines, is February 10th at 6 o'clock. There you go. You're all set. And uh, we also, of course, want to invite everybody to stop by the Alumni Center here. It's about to open to the public in about 12 minutes or so. and. All are welcome, whether you registered for the prepared meal or not. You got some a la carte options. You got some great uh, uh, clothing options, too, for purchase. Exactly. And so there's things with the ISU Bookstore, who is here today. Remember, if you're a member of the association, you receive a 15% discount. So your membership card is on your phone if you have the app. If not, just show your membership card. There's also the Student Run Shop, which is the 1858 shop that is over at the... um, Innovation Center, they will be on site selling shirts, stickers, tumblers, and some of the merchandise that students have created. Also is the Iowa State Creamery will be here as well. And oh, one of the things so that good. I mentioned every so time. So good. Well, so good, but I tell you, I'm wearing a lot of it. <laughs> and uh, lastly in that category is the Cookies Etc. Gourmet Automatic Treat Machine. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> that makes those cookies way too available. Yeah, creamery <laughs> and cookies. <laughs> cookies. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. Jeff, I want to kind of finish up here. You know, the Iowa State band comes in every home game, and they they get their meal here. You know, and it's a it's not a small undertaking. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot food. of them. Close to 400 to be exactly through here, and I always notice your connection with the band. You know, you're high fiving and waving to them and smiling, and you know you're just engaging with them. And it's a great group to be engaged with, yeah. and uh, you know they represent this university so well, and they're just a big part of everything we do, especially on game days. But uh, you know, uh, it's neat to have them in your building. Well, another good example of teamwork and collaboration. Uh, I'm an old drum major as well, and I put the emphasis on old, mm. not on drum major. <laughs> so I'm really connected to the band. Uh, the Step Show, which is part of Cyclone Central, but to have them actually be on site and really be one of those connected groups of, of students here on campus is really special. They were down in uh, Lawrence last week. I know the game didn't turn out the way all of us wanted it to. But, boy, they are great ambassadors for this university in so many ways and so many opportunities. Jeff, uh, we thank you so much. We could go on for, for hours Forever. here, I'm sure, yes. <laughs> but we'll uh, direct everybody towards isualum.org to check out all the goings-ons with the uh, Alumni Association. And, as always, thanks for having us here. And, again, doors open at 3.30. Come by, join us. Look, look forward to seeing you. Have a great day, and let's beat the Wildcats. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff Johnson, the president of the ISU Alumni Association, our hosts, of course, for all home games here on the Cyclone Tailgate Show. We've got plenty more to come, including uh, Jonathan Gelber, uh, who recently released uh, a biography of Jack Trice, and we have uh, Bill Seals from Cyclone Report to get his take on the game and get some recruiting uh, news from him as well before we wrap things up. We'll take you up to 4.30 and the Cyclone Radio Network up next. We'll take a look uh, around what's happening today in the Big 12 and the rest of uh, college football as we continue live from the ISU Alumni Center. This is the Cyclone Tailgate Show on News Talk 1430 KASI. Welcome back to the Cyclone Tailgate Show. Dave Sproul alongside Judge Johnston live from the ISU Alumni Center today. Iowa State and Kansas State coming up tonight. 6.30 kickoff. We'll take you up to pregame with the Cyclone Radio Network at 4.30. Right now we are joined on the phone by Jonathan Gelber. He's the author of a new book called The Idealist, Jack Trice and the Fight for a Forgotten College Football Legacy. Jonathan, thanks so much for uh, spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on. You bet. So uh, let's start from the beginning. What kind of prompted you to jump in here and, and write this book about uh, Jack Trice? Yeah, the way I came across Jack's story was I was work, working on a book before this. So I'm an orthopedic surgeon by trade. So that's what I do during the day. I work with sports injuries, but I also like to write about sports injuries. And so I was writing a book about injuries and tragedies in sports and how they affected society, and I came across Jack's story, and it was such an amazing story, both Jack's life and then the subsequent movement by the students to name the stadium for Jack. They fought for 25 years to get the stadium named for Jack, so I thought the whole story was just so interesting that I wanted to write a whole book about Jack and that movement. Well, it's a story from from my money, uh, being an Iowa State graduate, that uh, can't be uh, told enough, so I'm glad there's another resource out there. And today, it so happens that this is the 99th anniversary of uh, Jack Trice's death. And I don't know if you've saw, saw, seen this, Jonathan, but uh, the university announced the other day that there would be a whole series of events uh, during the course of the next year to commemorate the 100th anniversary of, of Jack's passing. And I don't know if you'll have a chance to come to campus and be part of that, but uh, it's really something that one of the things that really has impressed me through the years about living in Ames and being part of this uh, 
campus community too is that the way that it's uh, the story is told and retold and uh the university really embraces the that that story as part of its identity yeah i mean i'm gonna actually be there for homecoming i'm gonna do a book signing on campus at the campus bookstore and then probably in the alumni tent uh, in the tailgating area. So I'm um, yeah, hopefully going to be part of Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. That. Um, but as you mentioned, yeah, it has become a part of sports history at Iowa State. The coaches actually read Jack's letter to the team every year. Um, it's been a tradition that's been going on for a long time. I think they have some new equipment vans and new uh, buses that are going to have I will across the, the side of it. And you know, I think that's really important to honor, you know, the legacy of Jack. And, you know, what, one of the reasons I wanted to write the book was to really explore Jack's history because long before he set foot on an Iowa State football field, he was actually a star football player in Cleveland. He actually played for the National High School Football Championship uh, against Everett Washington, and so he was already a star player. And he left Cleveland, Ohio, to move to Ames, Iowa, with his coach, and with his best friend, who actually is being recruited by Newt Rockney to go to Notre Dame. So mm. it's an incredible story that actually begins long before Jack even made his way to Iowa State. And, and part of that story, too, is when he when he came to Iowa State, uh, you know, we'd like to think maybe he w- wouldn't face the level of racism you, you saw in other parts of the country, but here he, he still had to deal with the de facto segregation, as it were. He couldn't stay with his teammates. Uh, he couldn't live uh, on, on the Iowa State campus. How did Jack and, you, and what you've learned about him, how did he deal with those situations? Yeah, so, you know, unfortunately, people of color could not stay in campus uh, housing. And so he actually lived in the Masonic building um, in downtown Ames. And it wasn't uncommon for many students of color to live in downtown Ames. In fact, the first floor of most of the buildings there were businesses, but the second floors are usually reserved for offices or housing. And there's some really good stories in the book about other students of color. So Jack actually joined a fraternity. It was one of the first African-American fraternities in the country, and he joined it while at Iowa State. And some of the members, some of the brothers in his fraternity that were living in those houses, those apartments above the uh, office buildings, they went on to become founders of the American Bar Association, presidents Mm. of universities. So there was really a whole other side of Jack's life, too, besides just on the football field, where he was really connecting with other students of color and future leaders of America. Yeah, and it's it's really fascinating that, you know, Jack's dream was, you know, back then the NFL wasn't this big thing that everybody aspired to coming out of college. He actually wanted to, to go back to Ohio and, and be a leader himself. Yeah, it's actually interesting because he did grow up in Ohio, and at that time you had the Ohio Valley League. So the Ohio League was the precursor to today's NFL. And so Jim Thorpe was the star. And, and so Jack's coach actually played with Jim Thorpe. And his coach, Sam Williman, was part of that Ohio League. So Jack and his coach knew well of what was going on with football. And he even had one of the coaches, one of the defensive line coaches, he played semi professional ball for what become the Chicago Bears. And he used to train with Jack because Jack was so big and so strong. So there's a lot of connections to the history of football. And one of his uh, 
colleagues at the time was Duke Slater. So Duke Slater was an African-American football player for Iowa, and students wanted to name their stadium for him, and he ended up um, not having that honor. Jack had that honor of being the only African-American to have a football stadium in college named after him. But Duke Slater is another name that people should be familiar with, and he was in Iowa. Yeah, they, they named the field at Iowa Stadium for Duke. Go ahead, Judge. Yeah, yeah Jonathan, uh, Judge Johnston here. Um, this is a neat story, and um, I, I'm glad it's getting recognized uh, more and more each year uh, with this Iowa State fan base and, you know, the story that the coaches uh, use to inspire our current uh, student-athletes here. But uh, who are some of the – as you've done your research and, you know, you've interviewed different people, who are some of the key people who have helped you get to this point uh, in your research? So just researching-wise, there's been tons of help. Librarians have been actually very helpful. Um, the stuff that took place in Everett, Washington, there's a lot of football folk uh, historians there that really took part of the history of the college football, I mean, uh, high school football championships. Even things like Ancestry.com, you can look up slave lists, and you can see all the way back to Jack's grandparents and where they lived and who was their slave owner. You can trace the trice name all the way back to the era of slavery. So wow. that's some of the early history. And then, of course, the, the students were my inspiration and my resource for the student movements, Jill Wagner being one of them. She was a student body president. She was part of the first movement. So there's really sort of three movements. There's the 1970s, the 1980s, and the 1990s. And key students in that era were able to help me, as well as the administration. Uh, to better understand what was happening on campus and behind the scenes in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. One of the, of course, big pieces of Jack Trice's story is, as you referenced, that letter he wrote basically to himself the night before the game where he uh, sustained his, his fatal injuries. What have you learned about maybe, you know, what might have been going through his mind or, you know, his, his whole approach to why he wrote that letter and why it was so important for him to get his thoughts down on paper? Yeah, I think... There's, there's a key line in that, and he says, you know, these are the first thoughts of my first real college football game, and he says, the honor of my race, my family, and myself are at stake. And so Jack realized he was representing more than just him. He was representing all athletes of color, and I think that resonates with a lot of athletes who are representing their families, representing their race when they set out on the field or when they're in administration athletic directors, lots of people who I have spoken to and even wrote blurbs for my book, including Seneca Wallace, you know, they, they see themselves like Jack. They're representing more than just themselves when they step out on that football field. And that's something that Jack was experiencing 100 years ago, and the same themes are coming up today and the same emotions are coming up today for these athletes. Yeah, it's uh, kind of sad to think about that so many uh, black athletes and, and black Americans are dealing with a lot of the same uh, forms of racism that Jack Trice and others uh, face there. Is there maybe something we could take away from this book that might uh, help us kind of get through our issues today? Yeah, I think at least shining the spotlight on African-American athletes and their stories are important. You know, We talk about representation on the big screen, but I think even representation on the field is important. In fact, there's a story that one of the librarians around Seattle helped me find this is a great one. So when Jack played for the high school national championship, he went all the way to Everett, Washington, a small town outside Seattle. And a small boy, small African-American boy, saw him. And he had never seen an African-American football player on that field before. 
And so he took a little piece of candy, and he ran over to the sidelines at halftime. He tossed it to Jack, hmm. and Jack caught it, and like a little tear came into Jack's eye. And it's these things, these stories, these idols, I think, are really what we need to help promote so that other little boys can look up to their athletes and understand you know, they're, they're representing something bigger than themselves. Uh, that's a pretty incredible story. I hadn't heard that one uh, before. Uh, another part of your story, too, as, as you indicated, and it's right there in, in the subtitle as well, The Fight for a Forgotten College Football Legacy. You also write in your book about how the name of the stadium came to be in honor of, of Jack Trey Stadium. And, you know, as you mentioned earlier, it, it took more than one uh, concerted effort to make that happen. Yeah, it about, took about 25 years. And, you know, there's sort of three movements, as I mentioned. So the, the 1970s movement... They sort of went the traditional route. They went to the Board of Regents. They had petitions. They passed student government bills. The 1980s era was a little more hijinks. They had some flyovers. They had some billboards. You know, they kind of took it to the people. And then the 1990s is a very interesting time on campus. You had a controversy with Cat Hall and whether a, a building on campus should be named for somebody who was a woman suffragist, but also potentially said some racially insensitive comments. And so there's this big movement called the September 29th movement, and this was a lot of people of color who wanted to end racism on campus. And so it actually highlighted this movement even more. And so the stadium ended up getting named for Jack during this movement. And the book goes into a little bit more details about you know why this might have been controversial. Was this just a handout to quiet the student movement? And did it really you know, accomplish what they wanted? Now, looking back, many of the people of the movement still feel that Jack deserved this honor. It's just a little bit of a question of was it the right motivation at that time. So all these topics are covered in the book. That's uh, really fascinating stuff. I don't know. I, I think this story has the makings of a Hollywood movie. Uh, would you be open to that? <laughs> oh, yeah. If anyone wants to help me, I'm happy to do that. Yeah, I think, I mean, we're, we're one year away from the 100th anniversary. I mean, what better thing than to have a movie premiere on campus for the 100th anniversary of Jack Trice's passing. I think that would be amazing. That would be. Uh, and it's an amazing book. I hope everybody gets a chance to read it. Everybody who cares about Iowa State, at least, uh, gets a chance to read that and get in-depth in that uh, Jack Trice story. Jonathan, we really appreciate your time, and we'll look forward. Hopefully our, our paths will cross when you come to Ames for that book signing. Thank you. Appreciate it. You bet. Jonathan Gelber is the author of a new book called The Idealist, Jack Trice in the fight for forgotten college football legacy. Uh, Judge, you came to campus in the late 80s? Yes. Uh, do you remember hearing that story? Was it part of the football program when you were part of it? Uh, a little bit, but, uh, you know, at the time I just I just didn't appreciate, you know, the history like I should have. And, you know, I think as we grow older and, you know, um, we reflect back on our time at this great university, you appreciate stuff like that more and more uh, as, as you age. And, um, you know, that's the neat thing about this university and what Jeff Johnson's doing and everything. But, uh, no, I, I unfortunately, no. Yeah, and uh, for me, you know, being a transplant, I didn't know anything really about Iowa State's history before I moved to the state. But I remember it was uh, mid-'90s. Uh, I was living in the northwest part of the state, and I would get the Sunday register, the Des Moines register every Sunday, and I read a column by Donald Call, who I uh, Many will remember, longtime columnist for the Register, and I had no idea. I had no idea about that story at all. By the time I got read, done reading that column, I was like, "This, this needs to happen yeah. yesterday." Yeah. And it still took a little while after that column to to get it to make it official. But and and Donald Call is a very persuasive columnist, so that maybe that's why I got on board so easily. But I had already started following Iowa State athletics a bit 
you know, uh, mostly through basketball because they were on TV more than the football team was yeah. at, the, at that time. Uh, but, boy, I read that column and I said, boy, this, this is like a no-brainer. It, yeah. it should be done. Well, I think moving forward, you know, Coach Campbell's doing a great job of uh, representing uh, Jack Trice and his story. And, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's highly visible now around this uh, stadium and, you know, this university, and it's the right thing to do. And um, I think moving forward, there'll be a lot more people, more, a lot more current student-athletes that'll know that story. It's pretty powerful. Anyway, one of the coolest things about it, and this is maybe secondary, but the use of that, that striped pattern that you see in the pictures of Jack Trice from the uniforms back uh, when he played at Iowa State. You see it on the side of the, the yep. new building over there, the Stark Performance Center. We saw some years ago the, the throwback uniforms modeled after that in a, in a game yeah. against Iowa, and we'll see some sort of uh, a kind of throwback-style uniform next season for yep. a game uh, at Iowa State. Uh, that'll be interesting to see, but the way that, that story and and the legacy of Jack Trice has now been so fully integrated into everything with Iowa State Athletics yeah, is a really is. cool and, thing. And kudos to Jonathan for his, his story and all the time and energy he's put in to, uh, you know, portray that story and, uh, you know, provide more examples and details of his, of his life, you know, for Jack Trice. So uh, thank you, Jonathan, for, for doing that. Yep. So as you mentioned, he'll be here in a few weeks. Uh, keep an eye on the ISU Alumni Association website or, or uh, check out, I don't know if Jonathan has a website or anything, but... Uh, He'll be he'll be here to sell and sign his book uh, in a few weeks here at the uh, the alumni center. We've got plenty more to come here with the Cyclone Tailgate Show, and we'll look ahead, of course, to Iowa State, Kansas State coming up six thirty pregame for uh, six thirty kickoff four thirty pregame on the Cyclone Network. Uh, we're here with you right up till four thirty, and of course, the Cyclone Tailgate Show is brought to you by Friedrich Iowa Realty for more than ninety years. Integrity, excellence, experience, and service have been the values Friedrichs has held dear. Visit the website at greatiowahomes.com. More to come live from the ISU Alumni Center. This is the Cyclone Tailgate Show on News Talk 1430 KASI. News Talk 1430 KASI. Welcome back to the Cyclone Tailgate Show. Dave Sproul and Judge Johnston live from the ISU Alumni Center getting set up for this Iowa State-Kansas State matchup kicking off at 630. And, of course, the Cyclone Radio Network pregame at 4:30. Uh, I want to drill down a little bit on on this matchup, and particularly about Adrian Martinez. Uh, it was interesting to me, you know, when he transferred from Nebraska to Kansas State. A lot of folks were saying, "Oh, he's going to be so much better off at Kansas State." And he probably is. Sounds like you know he's uh, certainly enjoying the experience yeah. more. Uh, but from a production standpoint, I, I think there seemed to me. I don't know. This is just my perception that he was you know magically moving out of Lincoln was going to make him this superior quarterback i don't think we've seen that yet obviously he is a tremendous running quarterback mm-hmm. he's one of the fastest uh quarterbacks just in terms of straight yeah. line speed i think i've seen in a while but the the throwing that is still isn't there and that's i think something iowa state can take advantage of well that was the big knock on him at nebraska he just couldn't throw the ball down the field and you know he had his nebraska struggles but he's he seemed to be doing better in in chris kleinman's offense and this uh you know, football program is more suited for him, you know, mm. uh, runner first before you need to pass. And, uh, you know, he's he's embraced it and he's doing a good job. And you, you listen to him and his confidence seems really high in his interviews, you know, last couple weeks uh, due to the system he's in. Um, but he's a very effective runner. He's tough. He's got a little size to him. And he's a competitor, you know. And so, um, you know, it, other than this head scratcher, Kansas State lost to Tulane a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Now Tulane's a pretty good team. I'm watching them on TV here, and I think they're four and one right now. Um, 
you know, Kansas State's a good program, uh, you know, so um, maybe that was their one hiccup when they got <laughs> it out of the way, but they've responded really well since then. Yeah, it, well, it'll be interesting to see how Iowa State, you know, defends this. Often you see you against a running quarterback, a defense will assign maybe a linebacker or a defensive mm-hmm. back as a spy on that. That seems to be something Jane, John Haycock doesn't really like to do with his defense. He, he likes to mix it up a little more. Yeah, he does, and he'll have a few tricks up his sleeve. But, you know, our base defense is, is stopping the run, and so I, we're well positioned on defense tonight to, to try to slow him down a little bit and contain this offense. You know, they're seventh, uh, uh, they're ninth in the Big Big 12 in offense, you know, overall performance. So they're not just going to come in and, and go up and down the field like uh, some of these other teams we've seen, you know, in Baylor and Kansas, you know. Uh, you know, Kansas had a high-powered offense. We did slow them down last week, so uh, I think we can do it again. And, uh, you know, I like the energy that will be brewing tonight at 630 with the black uniforms. <laughs> and I'm looking out across the, the, you know, the parking lots here, and they're full. I was worried that we might have a little bit of drop-off in tenants. It's not officially a sellout that I don't believe. I haven't seen any social media claiming a sellout but it's it's going to be really close i think with the volume of people and the, what a beautiful afternoon this is a great time of the year cool fall temperatures the uh, the trees are turning and uh, you know just a beautiful campus setting here uh by kansas definition of a sellout the i this game might be close because <laughs> looked around that stadium last week and i saw a lot of open spaces for yeah. a quote-unquote sellout and i know yeah. that the one the north end the bolden uh, section of the end zone they don't sell a lot of tickets there because they have this other section that's right down on the field and mm-hmm. your view would be completely or at least partially blocked if you were sitting in the traditional old horseshoe seats there so i get why they didn't sold it the, but there were some patches all around that stadium where it was like where where are the people it's but, fu- fuzzy math dude. yeah yeah i guess i guess for them you know they get they get to 95 percent. it's close enough yeah. uh, there, there's some marketing strategy in there you, you know that side of it dave you know yeah i guess wanna, yeah. uh tell everybody to sell out when maybe it's really not but you know the attention that garners and things like that and yeah give kansas credit for playing well on defense but iowa state played a a defensive game that was absolutely lights out. I mean, Kansas sustained one drive, mm-hmm. basically, and the other one, you know, was set up by the, the turnover and then shut out for the entire second. They had, like, 39 yards of offense in the second half. I mean, what uh, what John Haycock does on a weekly basis is yeah. really impressive. I mean, you and I would have taken money to the bank uh, if we would have known we, you know, we held Kansas to 14 points and slightly over 200 total yards. I mean, I, I would have thought we would have won <laughs> going away, uh, but that just wasn't the case, so yeah, Coach Haycock, he, he's the real deal, um, and he's tried and true, and uh, I'm sure he'll have a good game plan going for us tonight defensively. On the other hand, you know, you have a game like Iowa State's offense had last week. Your offense coordinator suddenly is, uh, uh, you know, is some kind of evil character, <laughs> or just, just the worst thing on the oh, planet. Now, yeah. You know, I probably spend too much time looking at social media and some message boards and people saying, oh, this – Tom Manning doesn't know what he's doing. I, he knew what he was doing, it seemed, when, when Brock Purdy was out there setting records and, yeah. you know, all that. I mean, there was a guy doing, you know, calling the plays there. It's the same guy who's calling the plays now. He's just got a different different crew. And, they're, it, you know, they're not always going to be humdingers. Yeah. You know, and I think sometimes offenses take a little bit more of a lick and, uh, than the defense yeah. does. You know, it's just natural. Um, you know, because of the quarterbacks and the high-powered running backs and receivers. And, you know, people want to come to a game and, and see offense, and they want to see touchdowns and, you know, going up and down the field. Um, so, yeah, there's a little more pressure on Coach Manning. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure he's hunkered down and, you know, concocting the game plan that's going to be put our guys in a, in a you know, a chance to be successful. 
And uh, he's got to he's got to understand. You know, if we don't have Brock, what's that do at running back tonight? You know, uh, Hunter is still a young guy. He doesn't have a lot of games under his belt, so he's got to tailor the game plan to, to you know that age and lack of um, maturity and mm-hmm. you know game experience. So there's a lot of moving parts into you know an offensive game plan. Uh, and I saw one comment on on social media of a mutual friend of ours. I won't name him for risk of embarrassing. He said, "You know, Hunter Deckers isn't ready for prime time." And I'm I, lo- I look at him thinking, "Well, what are your your next best options?" I mean, you got a redshirt freshman, yep. a true freshman, mm-hmm. and a junior college transfer who hasn't taken a snap at this level yet. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not exactly a cornucopia of options for Iowa State. And I'm not saying that you got to. Hunter Deckers is going to be the quarterback no matter how badly he plays. If, yeah. if he goes out there and starts throwing picks around, then right. you, you do have to consider making a change. But I don't think he's shown us anything right now that would make you say, well, we got to get Rocco Becht or somebody no, his, in there like that. No, completion percentage is, you know, pushing 70%. And, you know, um, it goes with the territory. You know, if you're yeah. going to be a, a starting Division One quarterback, you know, you got to there's the good and the bad with it, you know. And hopefully after tonight there's more good. Uh, with his performance, and if he's a competitor like we hear about, um, you know, um, he'll respond and he'll go out there and uh, get after it tonight. And that's what we need out of him, kind of to kind of rally this offense and get and get some good momentum going, so that Coach Campbell doesn't have those tough decisions to make. He wants right. to control the pace of the game, the flow of the game, and you know, uh, feel good about his calls. You know. Yeah, you don't have to settle for field goals if you, you know, get the ball to the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> or at least get it down closer and, and make those field goals a little bit shorter mm-hmm. and take the pressure off, off your kicker in those situations. So we'll see if Iowa State can do that. And you know, Tom Manning is not blameless in all this. I'm not saying anything like that because I'm sure he's as aware as anyone. He, he yeah. There are things he could have done better, I'm sure, scheme-wise, and as well as there are things that could have been gone better for uh, Iowa State execution-wise. Well, and too, you know, you talk about the running back room, you know, couple weeks ago or even preseason you know our running back room on paper was loaded and then all of a sudden with norton out you know we just we hear so much about him and we saw a little flash of him Mm -hmm. and then with brock going down all of a sudden we're thin and uh you know it it handicaps you a little bit with the capabilities of the remaining guys we've got you know um so i i hope we we've got some depth back at running back tonight because that'll help manning uh with some of those calls and uh, as John mentioned, the offensive line needs to get more push, and I think that's the biggest thing maybe that held Deion Silas back, and then also the fact that Iowa State was playing from behind there. But Silas did a lot of good things out there that I think go beyond you know, the, the statistics because well, he, he helped out protection. He was you yeah. know, part of that uh, part of those drives that set up the field goal tries anyway. I mean, he, I think he did everything he could. Just mm-hmm. it wasn't You weren't getting the push from the O-line, and you were playing from behind and had to throw more. Yeah. We know uh, Silas, he's a Deuce Vaughn uh, prototype. Yeah. A little guy that you just can't find, a little jitterbug back there that's just so hard to tackle. And, you know, trying to find him in amongst those big uh, big offensive linemen. So he does offer that, you know, uh, style. Um, but, you know, it's tough for a little guy like that to really step up there and help with pass protection and things like that. And, unfortunately, our, our O-line struggled a little bit last week. And so, you know, if you know Trevor Downing, and you know, the leader of our offensive line, you know, hopefully uh, those guys are spitting nails, you know, Sunday <laughs> in the film room, ready to redeem themselves. And so uh, I hope we see a little extra out of the offensive line tonight. Silas is one of the players who... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, I spoke with the media this week, um, so I stood like right next to him. Oh, boy. <laughs> you, you don't appreciate these guys' size. Just as like when you, when you go to a, a basketball team, you, yeah. you stand next to these guys, you, you really get a sense of how tall the tall guys are. Yeah. And then you stand next to a little guy <laughs> like yeah. Deion Silas, you get a real appreciation for how much smaller he is than the guys around him. Yeah. I And, you know, uh, credit to him. He's going to use his uh, small stature to yeah. his advantage, you know. And so um, good for him. And uh, he's a very likable uh, guy. I hear the guys talk about him. And uh, last year when he scored his first TD, I believe it was at the UNLV game, mm-hmm. you saw the whole sideline erupt. Uh, off of that TD, and you know he's a likable uh, guy, and you know it's neat to see. So he's good all guy. right. We're gonna step aside a few minutes for a news break. We've got a bit more to come. Another half hour of the Cyclone Tailgate Show. We're coming to you live from the ISU Alumni Center. Bill Seals from Cyclone Report will join us next on News Talk 1430 KSI. Good afternoon. Welcome once again to the ISU Alumni Center. Dave Sproul filling in for Mel Crippen. Mel's on vacation this week, so it's my pleasure to be joined by Judge Johnson as we get you set up for Iowa State and Kansas State. 6.30 kickoff over at Jack Trice Stadium. We'll be here until 4.30 and then turn it over to the Cyclone Radio Network for coverage of the game. Right now, it's our pleasure to welcome Bill Seals, the publisher of CycloneReport.com. Bill, thanks for swinging by. Hey, appreciate you guys having me. Let's uh, talk a little bit about last week's game. You made the trip uh, down to Lawrence. I'm betting uh, you're probably like the rest of us. You never would have expected the game to play out, no matter what win or loss. But for it to play out in the way it did was not what we expected. Yeah, it's certainly the, the opening part of that game really set the tone for the rest of it, really uh, just a, a struggle. It's not a, not a surprise, I think, that Iowa State did what it was able to do defensively. Uh, that, that's, that's John Haycock's wheelhouse right there is, is shutting down the run, first and foremost. We'll see if they can do that again this week, but... And that, that being able to limit Daniels on the ground really, I think, set the tone for that game and so many opportunities on the offensive side because of that dominant defense. So obviously it's a combination of factors and the missed field goals didn't help. But for that Iowa State offense, what, what had them stuck in the mud last week? Well, I, I think stuck in the mud in Kansas territory so many yeah. times. You would see these drives where they would get two or three first downs, get it into Jayhawk territory. But so many times Iowa State wouldn't win on first down. You'd, you'd take a, you know maybe a one yard for, for loss or whatever, and then that put you in second log, third and long, and they were just behind the chains so many times. And then without the running game really for Kansas to respect, they were able to key in on, on Deckers and put a lot of pressure on him. We've seen Iowa State's backs are not very good really in pass protection either. So with six, seven guys, they were really able to uh, put a lot of pressure on Deckers, put those guys around the line of scrimmage. Yeah, that was pretty aggressive Kansas defense last week. And don't blame them going after a young quarterback who's yeah. pretty inexperienced. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And, and that, that Baylor game, since that Baylor game, it just seems like you know, maybe a little bit different look from Hunter. And I don't know if you use the term shell-shocked or whatever, but Baylor... From that point on, it just seems like it's been a little bit of dif- difference there. And, and obviously, Jirel Brock, the injury there doesn't help matters in the running game. And Iowa State in the hundreds now ranked uh, nationally in, in rush offense. And that puts so much pressure on a, on a uh, starting quarterback, what, making his sixth start today against another uh, defense that 
mimicking what Iowa State does with that three-three-five and and having a lot of success with it. You know, unfortunately, Bill and Dave, you know, our backs are against the wall a little bit early yeah. in the season already, and we were talking off there about bowl positioning and things like that. And boy, this is a big game, you know, today to kind of. You know, three and three just doesn't sound very good. Four and two sounds a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hopefully tonight at ten o'clock or whatever when <laughs> the game's over, uh, we need to get to that point. And so there is a lot of pressure on this offense to come out and perform tonight. Well, and really, I, I said last week <laughs> we don't want to see him start zero and two, especially with what's ahead. And uh, but but I think the good thing is is this K State team the way that they play maybe plays into what Iowa State's strengths are. I think very, it wouldn't surprise. I don't know if we're going to see fourteen to eleven again. That that score, but <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't surprise me in the least to see this game in, in the low twenties and another one score game. That's not Iowa State two and seven in its last nine one score games going back to twenty twenty one, the start of uh, last season. So it wouldn't surprise me to see another game like that. And Iowa State is, is going to need to. to find a little bit more balance on offense. I think they're going to be able to do a good job against Martinez and take him out just like they did Daniels. Uh, Martinez is a little bit more of a physical rusher, I think, than Daniels is. That may pose another another set of problems right there. But I I don't see why they can't uh, hold hold him up. And then uh, Vaughn, he, he, he's another one, as Judge said, Deion Silas, similar style guys and and someone that can get lost behind those offensive linemen and, and be difficult to stop sometimes. So I think maybe going into this game, I think Vaughn concerns me more even than Martinez does because he had a he, he approached a hundred yards against this defense last season and, and had some success. So Vaughn might be the one that really focus on today, I think. Uh, Deuce Vaughn is your favorite running back's favorite running back. I'm convinced. I mean, he's so fun to watch. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I know uh, I would say fans don't want to hear me praise the Kansas State guy, but uh, not, nevertheless, uh, going back to, to last week, I mean, is, is it just the absence of Jairo Brock that affected the, the Iowa State running game? Or did you see some other factors at work there? Well, I, I think you, maybe Iowa State a little better off this week. They'll at least know going into the game what the situation is there. But when you've got your whole, what, probably what, maybe first 15 plays or whatever they script out to start a game, and you're assuming you've got Jirel Brock back there, and you just throw that whole game plan or that at, that aspect of the game plan away, and you switch it up. And really, you know, Deion Silas is probably not that back, that workhorse bell cow back that we've had in Ames here the last several years. He's kind of more of that guy you want to get out into space and maybe throw some of those uh, swing passes, get him out in in open territory there. And he's probably not the guy you want with 20 carries a game like a Jirel Brock, Brees Hall, David Montgomery. So Iowa State in the middle of that game had to really switch things up there. And, and maybe going into today, they're going to know what they have and maybe that helps out things a little bit. And Eli Sanders, really, I don't, I'm not sure he's ready to go in that role yet either but it'd be nice to get Cartavius Norton back because he is in that mold of bell cow back that they they like and he looked good the first series against uh, southeast Missouri State and haven't really seen him since right yeah we've heard I hope he's healthy tonight and can give us some some snaps back there because we've heard so much about him you know um, and his sample size is really small but um, you know we need him back tonight to get us some depth back you know, too. So I'm excited to see him in a full game and see what he can offer. Yeah, certainly. And and uh, as as we've seen, you can never, especially Iowa State 
this season, you can never have too many healthy running backs. So just getting back to full strength there and having four scholarship players will be huge. It's like starting pitching in baseball. You can't, yeah. have, you can't have too much of it, right? <laughs> uh, Taking a look at, at the matchup with K-State, we were talking amongst ourselves about Martinez, and I, I think if, he's a, if you can bottle up his running ability, not an easy task, obviously, you're going to be at a big advantage because I don't see him beating a lot of people with his arm. Well, yeah, certainly not, and, and and he hasn't really beaten a whole lot of people with his arms so far this season. Kansas State, as a team, uh, ninth in uh, in the in the Big Twelve right now mm-hmm. in in pass offense, pass efficiencies, uh, not very favorable either. So again, you, you saw with Kansas last week, you can stop the run. You put Kansas State like Kansas, you put them in a situation they don't really like to be in much on the offensive side they like to as i was saying winning on first down they like to win on first down and second and three second and four much better situation than if you can cut them behind the sticks to begin with let's talk about recruiting a little bit because yeah. uh, you got a lot of that information on cyclonereport.com uh speaking of night game does that uh, help get some more uh, recruits in to see the state and see the team and the, the stadium most certainly does uh the first night game here at home this season uh, recruits in from Ohio, from Oklahoma, Colorado. You see, outside maybe outside of that six-hour radius mm-hmm. that uh, Matt Campbell likes to talk about a lot, and uh, getting some guys in, but uh, a, a good group coming in nonetheless. Five of the committed kids, okay. and led by JJ uh, Cole. He's been here for every game, but uh, one of those uh, Pierce, Nebraska, uh, tight end Benjamin Brommer, a Nebraska commit. That they oh, brought really? in. He's a uh, borderline four-star tight end. You've seen Iowa State in this recruiting cycle. And a swing and miss on a few of those tight ends that have been high on their list. But uh, the coaching change there in Lincoln, interim coach, maybe some uncertainty there. Iowa State able to get Brommer in on a on a visit, and he was also here over the winter, so he's seen the place already a little bit. Mm. Able to get him back and. And who knows, and, and as far, they're pretty much full right now, really, in that 23 class. But tight end is that one glaring area right now where they could really use someone like Brommer. So I'm sure that's going to be uh, sold to him today, that uh, opportunity. You mentioned it early. You know, these night games are better for the recruiting. Um, you know, these all these kids are playing on Friday nights and, you know, six, eight, ten hours away or however far they've got to get here. Those 11 o'clock kicks and even 1 o'clock's, mm-hmm. It's hard to get him here and to really experience, you know, Matt Campbell and everything he has to offer from the locker room visits to the on-field to the tailgating scene. Uh, you know, these are days where we really got to showcase to these recruits what this whole environment's all about. Yeah, no doubt. And in 11 a.m. kickoffs, 1 o'clock or whatever it's been, the recruits are getting here and they're basically going straight from the parking lot into the football facility they're not out here experiencing what we can see right now and another tremendous atmosphere and day for football and and that has not been the case so far but uh, a great day for recruiting as well uh, going back to the the tight end commit committed to nebraska there uh, I, pre- I presume that occurred before uh scott frost got fired there and that kind of plays into why we're seeing more coaches being let go kind of earlier in the season because now you got this new early signing period and part of the whole strategy there is the idea to try to keep your recruiting class together and get to the finish line there in December. Yeah, yeah, and and 
The Huskers won at Rutgers, yeah. and and who knows? I, I don't know if there was maybe a they winner opened, in that well, game yeah. exactly, but they they ended up not losing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and and who knows? Mickey Mickey Joseph, uh, maybe he's their guy. And by making that move, I guess you've gotten he's in the seat right now for mm. the next two or three months. He can kind of establish himself a little bit. And I'm, they're still hosting visitors for games, so who knows how that'll shake out? But uh, just getting. Brommer, a, a kid, he, he's not an out-of-Nebraska out of state kid that's committed there. He's an in-state guy to Nebraska that's visiting out here, and that's that's huge to get him out here in the first place, and certainly a need for Iowa State that they'll be selling to him. He can come in and be that uh, number one guy along with the uh, kid from Nevada, Carson Rhodes, uh, a bigger uh, tight end as well that's committed. Uh, you mentioned J.J. Cole's been every home game of course his dad played here and uh strong connections to iowa state there do you keep tabs on on how he's doing in his high school career so far and how you know that relationship continues with him and the coaching staff well he he's been as i mentioned been here every every game so far and you you know that he's giving kind of the recruiter the committed recruits perspective on on how things is how the process goes to even like the 2024 2025 kids that have been in and he's having a great year for Ankeny so far uh had the the one game I think early where he he struggled a little bit but uh has come out 97 of 150 right now uh approaching 1300 passing yards that was going into last night they haven't updated the stats yet but uh, nine touchdown passes and that Ankeny team loaded as always, yeah. you you know uh, just how good that <laughs> football program is, yeah. Judge down there. Yeah, and, you know those stats when you when you rattle off his stats, those aren't great, but they've had some weak competition with how district football, you know, plays out right now. And so he's been out of some games early because of the, the margins that they've won by. Uh, but he's he's the real deal. He's big, strong, and accurate, and he's got a football background. And you know, his dad uh, was a kicker here at Iowa State uh, after I got done punting, and uh, really successful. Uh, coaching kickers and so he's he's a football junkie you know he, he lives it and breathes it and we're glad to have him on our side next year auburn's put the, put on the full court press with him too i'm not oh, really? sure if you bit yeah some of the rumblings about that but jj's held firm and and has not visited down there visited down there that we know of anyway but uh, yeah he's he's been firmly committed to iowa state even though a uh, push by an sec team here uh, later in the process does, does matt campbell and his staff have a sort of restriction i guess uh, for guys who've maybe accepted an oral offer uh, well, to not go on recruiting visits because you hear some programs they don't like their uh, the guys who are committed to go well, on unofficial or official visits to other the, places. The, the, the team out east is uh, yeah, yeah. has been been considered. There's a little rule there, but I think there's a little uh, I don't know maybe be, being selective there. And, and obviously, a five star kid wants to visit somewhere else. You're not just going to cut him off. But if a two star kid does well. You know, maybe I'll get another guy on my board, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. It's case by case. Yes. Uh, exactly. <laughs> all right, Bill. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Uh, we'll keep up to date on CycloneReport.com for all the recruiting and analysis. Appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me, guys. Bill Seals. He's the publisher of CycloneReport.com, and uh, we've got uh, one more segment to come. Jeff Johnson has a correction to issue, so we're going to give him a couple minutes before we wrap up. The Cyclone Tailgate Show is brought to you by Northwest Bank. Commitment you can bank on. Located at 100 South 16th or NW.Bank. This is the Cyclone Tailgate Show on News Talk, 1430 KASI. 
News Talk, 1430 KASI. We're winding down the Cyclone Tailgate Show live from the ISU Alumni Center. Dave Sproul with you alongside Judge Johnston. We welcome back Jeff Johnson, president of the ISU Alumni Association, oh to issue back. a correction. He's back. He's yeah, back. well, a rare mistake on your part, and I'm, I'm glad you're owning up to it because we know Mel would never do no, that. No, so. I have to because <laughs> you would go out and say, who is this Ben Waxman that Jeff was talking about? So I went back and I looked at the card that I got from the conversation, and the name is actually Ben King. And Ben came here in 1966 from Long Island, New York, was a fullback, and actually was leading rusher from 67 to 68. And as I mentioned, uh, he, while a student here, became the first African-American student to join an all-white fraternity. Did not come back to campus until last week and had not been back here in 54 years. That fraternity was Alpha Sigma Phi. And so, again, as I said earlier this morning, there were no problems in him coming (laughs) back. He just got busy with life. But the great thing is, great story, great thing to think about our university when you think about all the things that are going on in our country today, I just, again, a remarkable story. Uh, and then if you go out and literally Google Ben King, again, Ben King, yeah. the story is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Not to be confused with Ben E. King from the Drifters no, back in the day. just Ben, ben King. King right? And I put in Ben King, Iowa State football, great story. So cool. uh, to your listeners, my apology. <laughs> But want to make that correct. That's, that's more than Mel and I usually own up to. So we appreciate it, Jeff. Thank All you right, very have much. Have a good one. Jeff Johnson joining us once again. And a reminder that the Cyclone Tailgate Show is brought to you by Freedom Tire and Automotive. Freedom Tire is a leader in name brand tires, auto repair, and brake services with locations on South Duff and around Central Iowa. Some final thoughts, Judge, here. Just a few minutes left. But Iowa State, Kansas State. Uh, some keys to victory for the Cyclones. Uh, great start offensively. You know, how about one of those li- nice long 99-yard drives or something similar? <laughs> you, well, you know, I don't think you want that off the opening kickoff. No, not, <laughs> no, not true. But uh, a long, sustained drive. Uh, keep the crowd into it. I think we've got the crowd on our side tonight, you know, with a night game. And we've got a great crowd brewing. Uh, let's Let's energize this crowd with our play tonight and that will really go a long ways you know to helping us when we need them on defense and you know um and deckers needs to come out and you know take a next step tonight uh but i hope it's not all on him you know that offensive line we need a little health at our running back to help there too and so just a complete game i'm not too worried about our defense i think they'll they'll show up and do their job like they always do um but progress out of our offense i I think it's still gonna be a low scoring type of game um, and I, I, I feel good about our chances tonight. I, I would be interesting to see, uh, for me at least, if they come out and maybe call some shorter passes for Hunter, uh, get him in a groove, you know, get that confidence build up earlier, yep. and then you know the defense obviously will make an adjustment to that and maybe uh, they'll open up things for the deep ball. Yeah, and that, that takes a little pressure off the offensive line. They don't have to set up and block for three or four seconds. You know, Hunter needs to get rid of the ball quick, get his confidence motor going, you know, uh, spread the ball around, and, um, you know, uh, if we are a little slim tonight at running back, we need to spread the ball kind of horizontally, um, and that will open up, uh, you know, some running room for our, our limited running backs if, if that all holds true. But I hope we're healthier tonight in the running back. And and some big push from that offensive line is going to be needed to get that offense going, and run game in particular. Yeah, you know, and so I expect Trevor Downing and crew to respond 
you know, after last week's performance. Uh, he's a competitor, and he's the leader. Um, and uh, Coach Campbell's real high on his leadership. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he had a few words with his group this week, and Coach Myers uh, wasn't in a good mood all week. So uh, here we go, offensive line. Uh, and Matt Campbell being an old O-line coach in his own, I'm sure he wants to see that unit uh, do better. And uh, you've got to address the special teams. We've talked about it throughout. But if there's that chance... To give Jace Gilbert the opportunity to kick, I wonder you know if it's fourth and two down inside the twenty. Yeah. Maybe maybe particularly early in the game, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 Matt Campbell puts the field goal unit out there just to to show the confidence in his freshman. Yeah, you need to. It's still early in his career, early in the season. If if we bail on that that kid right now, then then we're setting ourselves up for some kicking game problems, you know. But uh, I'm looking out. The flags are only kind of half-staff. Uh, it's going to be light winds tonight, so the wind won't be a factor if you're a kicker or punter tonight for the most part. Uh, so they should have good conditions. And, uh, you know, there'll be a little dew here uh, once the sun goes down, but it uh, should be just a beautiful evening uh, for this great crowd that's building out here as we look out over the, uh, you know, tailgating area. Kansas State uh, showed up a little bit ago. I saw their buses unloaded and... Uh, just about 10 minutes ago, Iowa State pulled up with their three buses and unloaded, so we're getting close to kickoff. There you go. And, and just a, a minute here, but it might be a little early to say this is a must-win, but and, and not even in terms of the Big 12. I, I'm not sure that's worth thinking about right now in terms of trying to qualify for the Big 12 championship game, though. Things are wide open enough. It's not totally uh, impossible, but just to you know, take that next step towards a bowl game, because I think if, if Iowa State comes out of this season six and six, I, I'm I'm okay with that. I think that's yeah, that's but, about as well as you can expect. But you know, in our short amount of time, Dave, you know, we're we're expecting eight win seasons now. Yeah, kind of moving forward, you know, so to get to eight wins, this is kind of a must win game, you know, for us. So yeah, well, yeah, six and six is going to be looked at as a down year yeah. for Iowa State now compared to what happened the last few years. But yep. that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, uh, Iowa State's still in a position where they need to rebuild not necessarily reload, and this is a very young team. One of the comments that uh, Matt Campbell made after last week's game, he's talked about you know, the, the senior leaders, the experienced guy, they're, they're providing the leadership, they're setting the standard. It's just tough right now to get, get the, the young guys up to that level, and it's only going to get there with, with yeah. experience. Yep. So thanks so much for uh, your time, Jeff. We really appreciate it. Uh, you will be reunited with Mel next Saturday for the game against Texas. Meanwhile, we're going to turn things over to the Cyclone Radio Network in just a few seconds. We hope you enjoy Iowa State and Kansas State right here on News Talk 1430 KASI. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.